The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. By Rod Anderson. Lesson 6. Fathers, we look into this about tongues and about this, this manifestation of your spirit. I'm trusting you to help me communicate this precisely and concisely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, this is going to be hour number six then on the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And we just spoke about the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit being tongues in the last session. And we're going to talk about tongues now. This is a message, well, I don't know how it'll come out right now, but I, you know, I've done several tapes on this topic, and I've got a whole tape series where I teach just on this talk, topic, you know, on uh, the way of the Spirit, when I teach for four hours on this thing about tongues. But this, to me, is one of the most important parts of this whole, of the whole truth of what the Holy Spirit's come to do. It's something that's a part of my life very, very, very strongly. So... Let me just start from the beginning here about tongues and say that like you have, if you have lesson five there on the top, I've got our tongues necessary, point A, the door to the supernatural. Now, when I was first taught about the gifts of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit, we're going to go through in some degree. I mean, there's no way we can do an exhaustive study on all of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Next week, we're going to, again, give a real quick Reader's Digest headline version. But I think, you, I think, you'll be, I think you're going to learn. But in and of itself, tongues, um, we were always taught this about tongues. By we, I mean in the beginning we heard it said a lot. That of all the gifts of the Spirit, of all of the nine gifts of the Spirit, it does indeed list that tongues, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is, they will, you know, uh, is, uh, is tongues. That, you know, that there's three revelation gifts, there's three utterance gifts, there's three power gifts. And speaking in other tongues says they shall speak with tongues. There shall be those that are interpret tongues and so on, whatever. There's three, anyhow, three utterance gifts, and tongues is one of what we call the utterance gifts. And let me say right from the beginning, let me just jump ahead to next week for a second, about the nine gifts. Again, the divisions of them, the way most everybody divides them is just that again. There are three revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. That all has to do with something being revealed. There's three power gifts, which is the, work, uh, the, uh, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. And then again, like I said, the three utterance gifts, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. But because they're utterance gifts, in other words, you have to open your mouth and speak. Well, how many of you know that everybody in here right now can open their mouth and speak? Can't you? So utterance gifts are the gifts of the Spirit that can be the most easily abused or the most easily um, confused because anybody can open their mouth and what have you. But anyhow, my point about tongues is this. When, you, when we get to it next week, we'll go to it in more detail. But the Bible says, well, first of all, if one of the gifts of the Spirit is a supernatural gift, then all of them are. Okay? In other words, when you talk about the gift of faith, you're not talking about faith that is developed through a lifestyle of obedience. Anybody's faith can grow like a muscle. It speaks about your faith growing. But a gift of faith is a supernatural impartation from heaven of faith for a moment, faith for an instant, faith for a situation. 
as it is a word of knowledge. And like I said, we're going to get into that next week. But the point is, if one of them is supernatural, all of them are supernatural. But the thing, so tongues is supernatural. It's not something you can just turn on. Now, the Bible says that all the gifts of the Spirit are given to every man to profit withal. And the Bible says that the gifts of the Spirit are given severally to every man as he wills. In other words, it's as God wills, as the Spirit of God wills, that these gifts are given. And it's going to say clearly next week that not everybody has the same gifts. But everybody, if you have the Holy Spirit, the capacity for gifts are within you. But just like when I spoke about anointings, you will have a tendency towards one gift or others more than others. Now, again, along your years of experience in working with God, you can indeed become more yielded. Did you hear me? You can become more and more yielded, just like Cindy, what we were referring to, Cindy Jacobs, would be far more yielded to prophecy because she's exercised her sensitivity to that gift for many, many years. Uh, there are certain people that have, you know, like I said, the working in miracles is something that seems to be just always in their life. And, you know, I'm going to give you some examples of some of these people next week. But the thing that always hit me is if you're really, if you look at the Greek in particular, and I cannot run you through all the Greek words there in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, but where that passage says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, uh, and that they're given severally to every man as he wills, the part of it that's strong in the Greek is that you, it's not your will that's involved here. In other words, you cannot pick one of the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, you can't go to Tesco and say, I'll have the, I'll have the working of miracles, please. That's not how it works. It, they're given to God's people as the Spirit of God wills, okay? So as we move on from that thought process, in other words, you cannot turn on any of the gifts of the Spirit by your will, okay? Now, I don't want you to get confused by what just happened in Awaken because the simple gift of prophecy is not the same animal. And again, don't get confused on me here. The simple gift of prophecy, in other words, exhortation, edification, and comfort is what a lot of us were, or a lot of people were activated in at our last awaken. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. But that's different than the, 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 the gift of the Spirit that is a full-blown prophecy gift. But anyhow, you can't just turn on that prophecy whenever you want to. Just like if you remember Elisha, remember in 2 Kings uh, uh, 3 when I taught on that, when the, the three kings come to, second, to, to the King Joram of, of, of uh, Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah and King of Edom and, and there's no water and they're out on this journey to go take the King of Moab out because he's the enemy of God and he's, he's backpedaled on a commitment of his. But they get out into a desert place and there's no water and, uh, you know, the, the king that's away from God says, eh, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. But Jehoshaphat says, would that there was a prophet in the land. In other words, the man who walks upright before God always looks for words. So a servant comes along in 2 Kings 3 and says, well, Elisha just happens to be out here. <laughs> you know, just, God just happens to have a prophet out in the middle of the desert, you know. But when they come to Elijah, my point is real quickly, I want you to see this. When it comes to Elijah, they say we need a word, basically, and Elisha doesn't have a word. He says, bring me a minstrel, remember? And it said, when the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he began to speak. But my point is, even Elisha, any prophet, 
those gifts don't just happen when you want them to. Something has to be in motion. There has to be something happen to cause the anointing to be there. There has to be a yieldedness to the Spirit. Now, I hope I'm not taking too much time. What I'm trying to get at is this. Let me, let me jump to it real quick, otherwise I'll lose all my time. You can't turn the gifts of the Spirit, of all the nine gifts of the Spirit, you cannot turn them on at will, okay? You cannot just turn the gift of faith on. You cannot turn the gifts of healings on. You cannot turn miracles on. You can't just do them when you'd want to. Seriously, if you could, wouldn't you do it all the time? Wouldn't we all? However, however, this is what was interesting. People used to always, when it came to tongues, People would always say, tongues is the least. This was the phrase that many people would say even in Pentecost. Tongues is the least of all the gifts. If they've said it once, you can read it in books. You can read it in all kinds of... If you go to a Bible college or something, you'll see it all over the place. We'll say, tongues is the least of all the gifts. And that was bought or that was believed for a long time, but that never fit right with me. It never set right with me, ever. And then until an old prophet of God actually said to us one day years ago, like I said, when I was a very young man of the Lord, and he said, he said, really, he said, you need to turn that around and really consider that maybe just the opposite is true. Because if indeed none of the gifts of the Spirit operate as a man wills, you can't turn them on when you want to. He said, but then you've got to ask yourself a question. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can you speak in tongues when you want to? Can I, if I asked you to start speaking in tongues, would you be able to start speaking in tongues? The answer is yeah. Well, is that, a, is that a contradiction then of that phrase, of, that, of, of what the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 12? Or maybe do we see something there when you begin to think that of all of the gifts of the Spirit, evidently this is the one gift of the Spirit. Listen to me now. This is evidently, possibly, let's submit it to one another for your thinking. It's the one gift of the Spirit that evidently the Spirit of God wills that everybody operate in as much as possible. Think about it again, even from the last hour's teaching. The first evidence of being filled is speaking with other tongues. The first evidence, the first manifestation, the first supernatural Think about this. It's the law of first mention, that kind of the first supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's listed in the Bible was that they spoke in other tongues. So again, if you can just try to use spiritual logic for a moment, evidently God really wants this aspect of being filled with the Holy Spirit to be something that's easily available and easily exercised by his people. Okay? So that's where we get to this and where I'll just, why I've said doorway to the supernatural. What, what I was taught by these old men years ago, which I believe in all the years that I've been after it as well, they said that really tongues indeed, as opposed to being the least of all the gifts, just might be construed as maybe the most important of the gifts because it's the doorway into the rest of the supernatural. And again, if we had time, like I said, I'm really not trying to sell the taste, but I suggest that you, if you want to know more, that you buy that series that I did on called Way of the Spirit. The thing is that praying in tongues is what you discover by any of the, by the Bible, but much less people that have walked in this stuff for years. It sensitizes. The more you pray in other tongues, the more it sensitizes your spirit to the rest of God's things to the rest of the spirit. 
Again, we don't have time to go to all the verses, but in Jude, chapter, verse 20, remember, what does it say? It says, therefore, building up yourselves, rising like an edifice, a building, rising, look at the picture, it says, building yourselves up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Again, the Amplified says, building yourself up, rising like an edifice, higher and higher and higher. The way you continue to grow like a building, blocks going into blocks, brick walls getting higher and higher and higher is what it means. And it says the way the wall begins to go up is by you building yourself up, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, the, there's a Greek word in there that people, like I said, an entire hour can be taught on. The Greek word is dynamis, where you get the word dynamo, and it literally says the word for build, building yourself up, it means to charge like a battery. The more you pray in other tongues, the more you charge, you charge, you charge, you, you charge yourself, you charge yourself, you're plugged into something that begins to produce more and more power, more and more power. You are being charged up. Mm. I always remember when a physics class in, in college where they had us, any of you ever had that test where they have a bunch of people hold hands and they have a generator, one of these arm, you know, thing with the arm, yeah, where your hair goes up? Anybody remember that? Well, you remember it. When, what they do is that, you know, there's this thing, when you get enough, when you get this thing cranking with electricity, it would bring out something like 10,000 volts that would kill you. But when you get 20 people standing in a circle holding hands and you build the charge up slowly, the charge begins to go through everybody and you can withstand it. But they would always have like this and they'd always pick the girl like with the longest hair and hand her stand on a table and it was the neatest thing. And if you remember what I'm talking about, and the, the girl's hair would go. And literally, and there'd be like a lion's mane. Her hair's just straight up and all the way around. It's so neat. You've seen it, right? You see what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just, just but she can't feel it. She can, well, you can feel the tingle, but she goes, oh. it's so funny when you watch it. Just, you know, this thing. I always remember that experiment. I loved it. Do it again. Do it again. But the point is, that's kind of what the word build means. The more you pray in tongues, the more you charge your and you, you're winding, you're charging your spirit up. You're building yourself up. See, not your flesh, your spirit. There's just so much to understand. See, it energizes you, it charges you, it sensitizes you. But again, what the old men will tell you is that really it winds up becoming a doorway into the rest of the supernatural. So tongues is a vital, 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 vital thing. Out of the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, let's just, let me just read a couple of basic verses, right from verse 1. It says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Verse 2. Again, I'm just going to give you some, but I really want you to go through these verses for yourself. Because this is part of the Holy Spirit's job who lives in you. The first evidence of Him coming into our life was something that prompted tongues to come out of our mouth. There's so much, see, I feel like I want to go into 2,000 teachings here, and, but I can't. Yeah. For he that speaketh, now listen to what Paul says. How many of you believe the Bible? Anybody believe the Bible? Verse 2 says, but he that 
For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Now I tell you again, now I'm just going to try to give you headlines. I said for years, that verse enough, that verse alone is enough for me to pray in tongues a lot. Because it says when you speak in tongues, you don't talk to men, but you speak unto God. In other words, it's a clear pipeline to heaven. Because the tongues, as we looked at last hour, proceeds from the Spirit of God, doesn't it? Doesn't it? The ability to speak in other tongues is prompted by the Spirit of God. In fact, if we were to go down further in the same chapter, verse 14, verse 14 of chapter 14, Paul says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now the Greek, or the, if you have an amplified Bible, if you read verse 14, Paul says, My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. And this is something else that you have to see. The reason you can pray in tongues anytime you want to as well is because God's Spirit comes to live inside your spirit and really your spirit begins to pray being prompted by God's Holy Spirit who is now joined to your spirit. They're one. And the electricity, the power, the energy, the dunamis of God is now so blended with your spirit that it has to be released. And this is where, again, when people are filled to overflowing, they speak with tongues. But again, to speak to God, prompted by God's Spirit, means that we're speaking to God with the clarity that has no chance of being misunderstood. This is why, like in Romans 8, 26, we have those basic verses on intercession where it says, where it talks about the fact that the Spirit Himself will pray for us or through us with yearnings that are unspeakable or unutterable because He prayeth according to the perfect will of God. In other words, when you pray in other tongues, you can know, according to Scripture, that you're praying the perfect prayer. Well, that can't be bad, can it? I mean, this is why when you talk to these old men that have been around forever and these people that are... They spend so much time in other tongues. I mean, when you listen, I, I had the honor, like I said, of sitting under Oral Roberts and some of these people, and it really offends me when I hear people insult these, these and talk bad about these. These guys know more about God than, they've forgotten more about God than most of the theologians today will ever know. Trust me, because they've got the fruit. You know, a lot of people have the talk. These boys have the power and the fruit. If you're going to follow somebody, follow the people that have the fruit, my friends not the language, <laughs> the fruit, you know what I mean? And Oral Roberts, but I mean, he will tell you that he would, you know, I mean, he would pray in tongues for five, six hours before he ever did a service, ever. And he wouldn't let anybody talk to him because he said again, I don't want to pour out on you what God's given me to pour out upon the people. Brother Hagin would talk about it. He said, you know, he used to preach his whole sermon in tongues, he said, before he'd ever get up before people. And he said then he'd just act out what he'd already done out in the Spirit before he ever got to a service. He would see things in the Spirit. He'd see people walk in. He'd see women walk in. He'd see the dresses they were wearing. He knew the sicknesses they had before he ever got there because he'd spent his whole life praying in tongues. Then when they'd walk in, he already knew that was the one that had this, and he'd call it out. That was the one that had this, and he'd call it out. He'd already seen it. There's scriptures like this. Paul, now think about this. Now this is the other thing where I... Like I said, well, all the people that talk against tongues say that you shouldn't speak in tongues. You know, they use a lot of stuff that Paul writes and they try to twist it. 
it makes me laugh because remember today, remember this, two-thirds of our entire Christian experience today is based upon the Pauline, res the Pauline, the Pauline epistles. Is that correct? All the epistles written by Paul. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. In this same chapter, Paul said, do you believe Scripture is written by the inspiration of God? That none of it's a lie? Paul said in the 14th chapter of Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than you all. And now he goes on to say, I'd rather that you prophesy. But the point is, listen, he said, he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Now think about this. Paul also said here in the 14th chapter, when you pray in tongues, pray that you might interpret. Didn't he? How many of you believe that he might have obeyed his own instructions? Think about it. Do you think he might have? Where do you think he got that instruction from? Well, he got it from heaven, didn't he? But the point is, he said, when you pray, pray for the interpretation. Most people I know today that do speak in tongues, they never pray for the interpretation. And it says categorically, pray for it. Well, you're not going to get it until you start praying, so you may as well start. But the point is, do you believe he meant that? This is what tickles me. Then, then God chose, two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. God chose a man who prayed in tongues more than them all. I said, God chose a man. And this man prayed in tongues more than them all. This man prayed that he might interpret. And this man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we live our entire life by. <laughs> Revelation comes from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives in hell. That's the word... When it says there in 1 Corinthians 14 that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That's one of my favorite teachings I do, I do on that series again. The Greek word is phaneros, P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S. It means the illumination. But the lowest root of the word means a flash of light. This is why when I have time to teach it and sometimes in these other schools, I talk about spontaneity a lot. Because when the Spirit of God manifests, it speaks of a flash of light. Just want to make sure you're awake. A flash of light. Poof! And an illumine and illuminate. He illumines a word. He illumines a situation. But the light, you see, God is light, and the entrance of God's word brings light. His spirit will show you something this quick. Boom, man. And you have to learn, you have to learn how to move quick. Because if you're like me, you'll hear, you'll, you'll get, you'll hear, like, you know, we always use this as, a, as an illustration because we're all so bound by money. But like when God speaks to you about an offering and you'll hear instantly to do this, but within 30 milliseconds, your head's engaged and going, I can't do this. I must not do this. I surely can't do that. And you, but whatever, or, or boom, you'll hear, go lay hands on that person right now. Just right now. Don't, just, just. But then instantly, well, but what, but, well, but, well, but, well, but, well, but, 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 well, but, 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 and you become motorboat Christians. But, 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 You, well, but, well, but, your way right. See, your mind has been trained forever to be the source of your faith. You lean to your own understanding. But God's spirit is likened unto a dove, and it's a manifestation. It's the sudden 
It speaks of a flash, a sudden illumination. It speaks always of spontaneity. The manifestation, the phaneros, the flash of light that comes. And you see something just for, you, you see you do, your spirit, the real you, not your physical eyes. You, you see something. But it's a foof. And until you train yourself into the things of the spirit, that foof is gone so quick that you're left going, nah, I didn't really hear that. That's, that's not right. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're engaged at the same time with, with the Spirit of God, who is the illuminator. He is the revelator. All revelation, there's too much scripture. Paul spoke in tongues more than them all. Paul said, I pray that you might interpret when you speak in other tongues. Paul said, when you pray in other tongues, you speak not unto men, but unto God. But then Paul said this, and this is what we're going to get to. I don't know if I can really do this gesture or not. But Paul said, let me read it from the King James here. Let me go back to the 14th chapter here. He said, verse 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Everybody say mysteries. mysteries. Now, look on the outline, page 11, lesson 5. Look at the very bottom. This is right out of... Vine's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. I want you to see this definition of the word mystery, okay? I'm going to read it. The Greek word is mysterion. I'll read the whole thing. Primarily, it means that which is known to the mustis, or it meant the initiated. Now, I could go off on that for a while. The initiated ones. The word mysterious, it meant the, the initiated ones. Now, I, I, when you speak in another tongue, you're speaking mysteries, but now watch. It means to initiate into the mysteries. I have learned the secret. In the New Testament, it now really listen to this part. In the New Testament, it denotes not the mysterious as with the English word, but that which being outside the range. Now really read this slowly. It denotes not the mysterious as with the English word, but that which being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension, that which can be made known only by divine revelation, and is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God, and to those only who are illumined by His Spirit. In the ordinary sense, a mystery, the word we're used to, implies knowledge withheld. Its scriptural significance is truth revealed. Now you got to, see, you got to read this enough till you get it. It's truth revealed. Now listen, when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he speaks not unto men, but unto God, howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But you've got to hear what's being said here. It speaks, it says that when you speak in other tongues, you're speaking initiation into something, illumination over something. You're not talking about things that are unknown. It's not knowledge withheld. It's truth being revealed. You're speaking, revealing the truth. Now listen, we could jump ahead real quick here. 
out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they which believe on him should receive. Right? Now, categorically, all the scripture speaks to the fact that he's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, referring to this outward working, the Spirit coming upon, and this river of water that's going to come out of us. It's, he's inside of you. Now, a river flows upon and blows away dirt, silt, mud. Oh, goodness, I'm frustrated right now. The more you pray in tongues over a situation, the more water's coming out of you, the more it's going to wash away the silt, the dirt, the mud, the crud, away from the objects that you, away from the situation that you don't understand. It's what begins to clear away the rubbish so that you can see what's really there. That's what revelation is, remember? Apocalypsis is the Greek word. It means to take the cover off. Revelation doesn't mean something brand new. Revelation means something that's always been there is suddenly seen. Okay? See, the truths of God are eternal. They've always been there. But that doesn't mean you'll ever see them. But the more you pray in tongues, the more illumination begins to come. The more you're charged up, the more you're energized. And I'm telling you, the more sensitive you become to the rest of the works of the Spirit. But when a man speaks another, there's so many benefits to this, it's unbelievable. When you speak another tongue, speak not unto men, but unto God. Uh, like I said, I do four hours at least of teaching on this. So I'd really suggest, if you really want to hear it, you need to get that. But let me read some more. Verse 4 says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Well, the word edify means to build up or to charge again. Now, how many of you need building up? I mean, how many of you wouldn't mind being edified? You know what I mean? To be built up again, to, to be strengthened. When, and Paul says, this man who is the first to really have this says, when you pray in another tongue, you edify yourself. He's also going to see there's many aspects. A little later he's going to say, he that prays in an unknown tongue giveth thanks well. How many of you know that you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise? Well, the first thing they heard when they heard people speaking in tongues was people glorifying and speaking the wonderful works of God. That's called praise. That's called thanksgiving. That's called worship. When you speak in other tongues, you give thanks well. When you speak in other tongues, you edify yourself. When you speak in other tongues, you're releasing mysteries. You're bringing light to dark areas. You're bringing sight to blind areas. You're, bringing, you're washing away the soot and the mud and the crud from around things. I, when I first got a hold of this, you have to understand years and years and years ago when I first got a hold of these things, this, I mean, I've, it's been so, you know, I've been involved with this for so many years now. I hope I'm not trying to sound pompous by saying that, but I spend a lot of time in tongues. It means a lot to me. But I used to put my bills, I would, do, I would, I would get so frustrated that you know, I I'm, easily, I'm easily given to worry. I may sound like you know, I, I appear to some of my past students like I must be a rock of faith. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm from a family of world champion warriors, like I've said. And I'm prone to worry. I really am. And so I have to keep myself free from it. But one of the things I used to do, I, I remember getting all these bills. I mean, I had so many bills. Julie used to joke about it because, I, you know, I'd walk in the door. I had a whole drawer full of bills. I couldn't, didn't know how to handle them. I mean, you know, all of them with red ink on them. You know what I mean? Red whatever, saying you're going to die. We're going to, you know. <laughs> you know. And I, I just had a whole flipping drawer full of them, you know what I mean? And it just read until finally God got it. And Julie, Julie, she was so funny one day. She goes, you know, she said, you're really something. She said, 
I know a little bit about you, a little bit about your past. You said you're this big dude. He's got this big reputation back in, back in the States and what you used to do, tough guy and all the stuff that happened in your life and how you handled so many tough situations. She said, you're this tough dude, she said, and you run from a piece of paper. You run from an envelope. She, my wife really knows how to... <laughs> but she was right. You know what I mean? I'm running from an envelope. I'm running from a piece of paper. And I remember getting all that stuff and putting it out there. And I and the Lord, when early, early in my early days, he'd take me to... These are the verses that... He said, just start praying in tongues over this stuff. And see, I was like a little child. And I began to go to say, and I would, I'd be walk, I'd had it on a table and I'd start walking around this table. I looked goofy, but I didn't care because I was by myself. See, that's why I like to pray when I'm by myself. I don't have to worry what you think or what anybody else thinks. But when I'm all by myself, I do some nutty stuff. But you don't know it's nutty, but it's not nutty to God because he loves me because I'm like a kid. But I would walk and I would walk and I'd dance and I'd sing and in tongues and I'd point to that stuff and prophesy to it. So, you know, just pray in tongues over the stuff. But I, be, but I began to see something in my spirit that I'm washing. The more this river's coming out of me, it begins, it's washing this stuff and it's cleansing this stuff and it's breaking the power of stuff off this stuff. And it's, listen, it is a spiritual thing that can sound so wacky. I understand that. But let me tell you, as we're, if, if we have time, if I, if I can get to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, that's where Paul said, you really have to understand the revelations of the Spirit of God are meaningless folly and nonsense to the carnal mind. When you begin to have stuff revealed to you, you have to, listen, if I spend a lot of time in tongues and you spent no time in tongues, I want to tell you something. I'm going to have seen more than you have. But I can't let you, I can't cause you to see what I've seen because what I've seen, I've seen because the spirits illumined it to me. But I can't with flesh and blood, knowledge, mind, teaching ability, make you see what I've seen that only is seen through this avenue. Do you hear me? That's why to people in some churches, when you try to share with them some of the things that a lot of us now take for granted. See, a lot of us have been in the same way or the same move for years. So we have a common understanding. So we don't we, we know that when we say we've already seen some truths because we've given ourselves to study the word and prayer. It doesn't mean we're better than anybody. But you see what I'm trying to get at. But how do you expect others to see something that's spiritually discerned when they've never engaged the spiritual tools that allow spiritual sight to happen. So that's why you wind up, they look at you, they say you're crazy, you're stupid, they're wacky, and you, and you just smile and say, sorry, you feel that? And you can't. They say, explain it to us. <laughs> and you go, well, I can't. And they say, see, then it's not biblical. And you go... <coughs> Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And it's not that you're trying to be a hot shot. It's just that it's like you can't show somebody what they're unable to see. It doesn't mean that you're better, that you're more spiritual. It just means you've, you've for whatever reason, started to engage a spiritual tool and a spiritual law that does what the law does every time you engage it. And you begin to see. You may not even, you don't even know you're beginning to see. But the more you pray in tongues, the more you begin to see. That which you weren't able to see before. Okay, anyhow, praise God. I can't believe I'm nowhere in the... 
But I, anyhow, I would that you all speak with tongues, he said, rather that you prophesy. Yep, 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 but we're not talking about it. Now, so he says all these things. There's a million other things we go to, but I want you to go real quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the King James at first and just see how far we can get. Now, I asked God, now I asked the Lord years ago, and I, again, I don't know how much time I got, so I don't know what I can really do with this. But years ago, when I first got in this thing, like I said, I asked the Lord, like I've asked about everything, I said, Lord, I want you to show me in a way that I'll understand what happens when I speak in other tongues. Because I don't like doing anything just because it's religious. You know what I mean? Again, why do you speak in tongues? People say, well, because we're Pentecostal. Well, what's that mean? Well, I don't know. Everybody in my church prays in tongues, so I pray in tongues. What does it do? I don't know, but we do it. When do you do it? Well, on Sundays when we're asked to. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? See, that, that's foolishness to me. I want to know why I do what I do, and I want to know what it does when I do it. And I can't know all of that, but I can know some of it because God will show it. And again, I, so I'd ask the Lord, Lord, show me what happens when I pray in tongues. Show me what's going on with tongues. I want to know in a way that I'll understand. Now, you need to pray that for yourself because what he shows me isn't necessarily what he'll show you. However, I prayed and I learned years ago when I pray, I asked the Holy Spirit to guide me into truth because he said he would. And then I shelve it. I cast the care of it on God. I don't try to force it. You know what I mean? Because if you try to force it, like I said, you'll get lies. You won't get truth. But as you continue to study in your faithful study, suddenly God will lead you to things and He'll begin to show you. And this is what happened to me. I wasn't even thinking about tongues, and I was doing my devotions, and I got to the second chapter of 1 Corinthians. And let me just start reading. Paul said in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Now, you have to understand, I'm reading along, not even thinking about tongues. Verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit and of the power, excuse me, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in uh, the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it, verse 6. Now listen to verse 6. How be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God. Now if you have a King James, you see what the next word is? Suddenly I got arrested by God because it said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And when I read that that day, instantly the Holy Spirit alerted me to when I'd asked him what happens when I pray in tongues, and he took me back, I think it would have been 18 months before when I asked. He said, stop right there. He said, I'm about to show you something. He said, what's the 14th chapter say? What did Paul say? When I speak in an unknown tongue, I speak not unto men, I speak not unto men but unto God. How be it in the Spirit? I speak mysteries. He said, now read it. He said, how be it we speak he said, wisdom among, oh, I'm sorry, let me get verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, even the hidden wisdom. Now remember, everything that's been hidden, the Bible says, is hidden only as a means to revelation. That is a verse. You do know that in the four Gospels. Jesus said, everything that is hidden is hidden only as a means to revelation. 
The reason, in other words, the reason things are hidden is so that they will be revealed. And why does he hide things? To keep them from you? No, the Bible says he lays up wisdom for you. I'll tell you why he does that. Because it's the principle of discovery. Remember I've shared with you before, you may have a 10-pound note in your pocket right now, but if you walk out this room and walk down the hall and you find a 10-pound note, that 10-pound note that you find is going to have, for some reason, a little more speciality. It's going to be more special to you than the 10-pound you already had because it's something that you discovered. When it's given to you for free, I mean, when you just, it, it's fine, it's great, but there's something special about something you discover for yourself. This is why God wants us to study. Now, I've got 10 minutes, so I really got a boogie here. Now, it says here again, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. It was hidden. See, and, I, and instantly I kept thinking, well, I know that the Holy Spirit illumines. He, he shows things that were hidden. It says we speak even the hidden wisdom which God ordained for the world for our glory. But that's when God told me, I want you to get to the Amplified Bible. So now I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible. Like I said, I really got to hurry here, and I'm just going to do my best to just read through this. But Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you right now to help them hear some of the things that I heard. So starting here at verse 4 in the Amplified Bible, it says, and, I, and suddenly I began to slow down. The Lord began to show me some stuff now about tongues. He said, And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were set forth in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. A proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Now jump to verse 7, but rather what we are setting forth is a wisdom from God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of His presence. Now just forgive me, but I've got to read quickly. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, now really listen. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared and kept ready for those who love him. Now just stop right there because I want you to understand how many of you have heard people quote that scripture for years and stop right there. Well, you know what the Bible says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, all the things that the Lord hath prepared for them that love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my sister. They, you know, and that's what they do. You know what the Bible says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what the Lord hath. That's, and I'd heard that, you know, and people all the time, but they never read the next verse. Listen to what he said. He said, eye hath not seen. Ear hath not heard and has not entered into the heart of man. What? 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 All that God has prepared and made ready for those who love him. What's verse 10 say? Yet to us, God has unveiled them. Them what? Well, them that's in the previous verse. All those things that God hath prepared and has waiting for us. Yet to us, God has unveiled. Look at the words. To unveil, to illumine, that you might see. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through His Spirit. Now listen to this next bit in the King James. But first, you have to do this. Out of your belly before rivers of living water. Everybody pat your belly, because you have one. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Is that right? Is that right? 
Is that right? Talk quick because I only got a few minutes. Is that right? Yes. And, and he's in you right now. He has a job. Listen to what the one on the inside of you does, according to this verse. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through the Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches, searches. He searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and the bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and the things that are hidden and beyond a man's scrutiny. And you've got to look at that over and over again. Beyond your ability to scrutinize, the Holy Spirit searches at whatever that situation that you're concerned about in your life right now, the one on the inside of you will search the length, the height, and the breadth, and the depth of the very wisdom of God. The things that are hidden and beyond your ability to see, He can see. He will reveal them to you, but you have to engage Him. But this is what He'll do. When He comes out of your belly, His job is to search diligently the situations. He knows the solution to every problem you're dealing with. For what person perceives or knows what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit? Just so no one discerns and comes to know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Well, do you have the Spirit of God? Do you? He just said, no one discerns or comes to know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Do you have the Spirit of God? And he discerns and knows the thoughts of God. Verse 12, now we have not received the Spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, now listen, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. The more you pray in tongues, the more He's going to unveil to you all of the gifts of divine favor and blessing that He's poured upon you. Verse 13, listen to this in the Amplified. And we are setting these truths forth, these truths forth in words, say words. words. We are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but we're setting these truths forth in words taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truth with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. And I mean, he began to nail, I began to see some stuff. But the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts or the teachings, or the revelations. You see, the things that are being revealed by the Spirit of God, for they, see, the natural man, the natural man is a non-spiritual, the one that's not with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. It says there, he does not receive these things, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, or of progressively recognizing, or understanding, or becoming better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual man, the man of the Spirit, the woman of the Spirit, examines, investigates, inquires into, and questions and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no man. But verse 16, for who has known, and listen to this, this is mind-blowing, I don't know, I just got to shut up. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him? Now stop right there for a quick second. Can you imagine, is there anybody that could give God guidance? Does God need guidance? No. Now think about it, because we're going to read the rest of the verse. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him counsel? Well, see, it's not that God needs counsel, but listen to the wording. For who has known, for who has known? Well, you need to go back and read verse 10 and 12. For who has known or understood the mind and the counsels, the purpose of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. And we, it says, do hold the thoughts and the feelings and the purposes of his heart. Now, like I said, I've got to stop and cut real short and just leave you way up in the air, but I'm, I, I, want you to, I want to submit something to you that's going to frighten you because you're, you're going to think I'm being irreverent. It's the whole thing about God will do nothing without first revealing the secret to the servants as prophets. If God, just could do, if God was sovereign like people teach sovereignty, He could just do anything He wanted at any time. He has to find people on earth to be obedient before He can do what He wants to do. Somebody has to do the natural before He can do the supernatural. That's what the Bible shows everywhere, right? Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to, who has known the mind, the counsels, the purpose of the Lord so as to guide or instruct Him? Well, we'd say, well, nobody guides Him. But we have the mind of Christ, and we hold the thoughts and the purpose of his heart. All of this is tied to this. You see, when you know the mind of Christ, when you are full of the Spirit of God, I'm trying to say something that's going to be dangerous as a place to stop, but Lord, you know me. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you begin to bring release. You begin to bring God the release to go ahead and do what he's able to do. You have the mind of Christ. And because you have the mind of Christ, you begin to speak <coughs> in agreement with what God's will is. And that's, that instructs God to go ahead and do what he's been waiting to do for a long, long time. It's like an instruction you give to a solicitor. It's not that they don't know how already, but he has to be given instructions first. I've got to stop because we're at the end of the tape. Father, we thank you for your word. And I'm just praying again, God, that these people will look into this deeper and search more and more so that they can grasp for themselves the absolute power of praying in other tongues. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. You have reached the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.